please send this list to the court floor. And uh, by the way, when the church is over, you will go down and get your kids down in the court floor. All right, thank you. All right, good morning. How are you guys doing? Good? All right. Hey, we want to welcome you to City Light Church. Here this is your first time to, to come to a church before. Awesome, welcome. We're so excited that you're here. Why don't you do that? Um, really quick, let's turn the lights on. We're still trying to get a lot of stuff figured out here. So. Hey everyone, welcome you this morning. Um, this morning we have a great opportunity. Uh, this is our first time to actually publicly gather together as a church. And so my name is Colin. I'm also one of the elders here at City Life Church. And I'm so excited that you have taken time out of your weekend to join us this morning. Uh, we actually had several people who were also going to come this morning, but they sent us texts where one person is in the hospital, someone else got sick, and so we're glad that you guys are able to be here. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what City Light Church is excited about, what we're passionate about as a church. And I want to tell you guys that it is a great time to be a disciple of Jesus. It's a great time to actually plant churches and make disciples. And if you're here this morning and you wouldn't consider yourself a follower of Jesus, we want you to know that you are welcome here. And we hope that you would feel loved and you would feel welcome and you would be able to hear about who Jesus is and the power of the gospel. Uh, right now, guys, in our culture and around the world, what we're beginning to see is that there are all these systems and ideas that are beginning to fail. Right, so you can look at places like America, Hong Kong, even our own community, and there are these things that are beginning to break down around us. Okay, so now, uh, who, in here, who in here has a smartphone? Everybody has a smartphone, right? Okay, so uh, culture says that we are, became, we are becoming more and more advanced as a, a culture. Right, we're progressing. And so a lot of people tell you, man, you know what the hope of the world is, is that if we can have better science and better technology, that's going to be the hope of the world. I don't know about your experience, but statistics show that even though we're more advanced as a culture, we're more depressed, more lonely. In fact, people have called our age, like our generation, the age of anxiety. Actually, 
从技术去来讲的话，我们的世代是一个啊、uh, ，anxiety 就是焦虑的一个时代。谢谢。And so every culture, wherever you're from, if you're from America or the East or the West, every culture is trying to answer these three questions. Okay. 不管你来的来自背景是什么哈，你是东方国家、西方国家的，我们都想要回答三个问题。All right, and I want you to think about how you would answer these questions. 那你自己听到这些问题的时候，你也想一想，你会怎么回答 ？Number one is,、uh, how are things supposed to be? How are things supposed to be? 这个世界，呃，这一件事情的走向会是如何 ？That's the first question. Number two, every culture, every idea is going to answer this. Trying to answer this question. Number two is what went wrong? Why are things the way that they are? 第二个问题呢，就是要问你们的自己是说呢，出错，呃，出错在哪里？哪里出错了 ？And then number three, the question is, what is the answer, and how do I get a part? How do I obtain the solution of the answer? 第三个问题是说，它的答案解答在哪里？This morning we're going to look at the Bible, and we're going to see how the gospel answers those questions for us. And in the Bible, that the scripture that we're going to read this morning, Paul says that what he's going to tell us is trustworthy. And when he says that he means that what we're going to read this morning is something that we can build our lives upon, our family upon, our communities upon. It's important because、um, I don't know how many of you guys play sports, but I play sports, and there's never one time where the coach came to us and said, "You know what? This season, we're just going to try to win half our games." Right. Every sports team, every team has a goal. Hey, they want to win. That's why we practice. That's why we play. Because we want to win, right? In the same way, the Church of Jesus Christ has a very clear goal. Jesus has given us a very clear mission. The mission that God has given His church is to make disciples who make disciples. That's why we gather together. That's why we pray together. That's why we worship. Okay, so let's、uh, stand this morning for the reading of God's word. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Titus chapter three. Titus is in the New Testament. Alright, so it's also going to be up here on the screen. I have it here. Alright, we'll read it first in English, then we'll read it in Chinese. Okay? But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us. Not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to His mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit, He poured out His Spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, 
we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. Behind the wheel of a moto, 
don't know what happens. But the speed limit says 40. There's just something inside of me that says, no, I just, it's not fast enough. I need to go faster. And those are small things, right? But we, but we know that the world is in a cycle of rebellion against God, but also sinning against each other. And so Paul says it was in this moment when you and I were stuck in our sins, stuck in our rebellion, when the kindness and love of God appeared. This is really important because uh, Titus, the guy we just talked to, he was actually in this place called Crete. This was an island. And the Cretans believed that Zeus was born on their island. And so when they worshipped Zeus, the relationship that the Greeks had with their gods, it wasn't any type of real relationship. They wouldn't say that the gods loved them or were kind to them at all. I remember um, whenever I was reading a book, they would say that the Greeks, what they thought is they had to do certain things in order to manipulate and force the gods to be good to them or to be kind to Just the other day, I was having a conversation with one of my friends, and I was asking them about the temple, Guan Yin. If you guys don't know, right here behind us, there's this massive temple dedicated to the goddess called Guan Yin. Right, so Guan Yin, uh, legend has it, she's the goddess of mercy, and she also is supposed to hear the prayers of the people. And so it's very similar to what Paul's writing in here in this culture. And so I asked this individual, I said, hey, um, has Guani never answered your prayers before? And, and the person said, no, not me, but I'm sure if you ask Lao Bei, I'm sure if you ask the older people, they would for sure tell you that they had an experience with Guan Yin as you should do first. And so I said, okay, okay, that's fair. That's like, but, but would you say, I was like, would you say that Guan Yin loves you? And they got this real confused look on their face. Like, no, like Tommy's, we wouldn't say that like Guanyin loves us. And that's where Paul preaches how the gospel is so different from any other type of religion that we come in contact with because it says that his kindness and his love appear to us when we're stuck in our sin and rebellion. And so many other religions in the world use, they'll tell us that you and I, we have to go to God. We have to do 
these things in order to get him to love us. But the gospel says that Jesus came to us, came to us in his love and his mercy. And so what the Bible would tell us this morning, we would tell you, is that no matter what your culture tells you, no matter what maybe your family tells you, no matter what, the Bible says that God loves you. That Paul says it was, in, it was when we were stuck in our rebellion, in our sin, that he came to us in his kindness and in his love. And, and when the Bible says here in verse 4, it says that his love appeared, he's talking about Jesus. That, that's when Jesus came to the earth and lived among us. And so I would encourage you, if you're someone here and, and you're confused about who God is and what he looks like, or does God love you, I would encourage you to go to the Gospels and look at Jesus. Look at Jesus, the way that he lives, the way that he loves, the way that he heals. The way that he suffers and he gives his life for you and for me. The way that he's victorious in his resurrection over sin, death, and the devil. That in Jesus we see God's love most clearly. And so here at our, in our community, we want to let you know that we want to be a community that point you and point each other to Jesus. That we do not believe any single one of us can save anyone. This church, this community, it's not about any certain individual, it's about Jesus. I mean, even so many people think when you become a pastor or become a leader in the church that all your problems just go away. It's quite the opposite. More problems come. And yourself, me, I'm usually the biggest one. And so I want you to know that I need Jesus just as much as any single one of you. And so Paul tells us, he reminds us that when we are stuck in our sin, Jesus comes and he saves us, is what it says in the Alright, let's keep going. In verse 5, it says that he saves us not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy. So Paul says that, listen, you and I, we, we are saved by God. Not by our good deeds. Uh, I think a lot of times when people think about Christianity, or before I was a Christian, I thought, oh, Christianity is just about being a really, really good person. Now, 
There, there's a story of this pastor where he began reading the Bible with this person that was an atheist. And, and, and the atheists, they started reading through the Bible, and about halfway through the Old Testament, they stopped. And the atheists said, wait a second, I thought the Bible, I thought this was all about a book about being really good. And he said, man, I'm reading this, and these people are messed up. And so the pastor said, that's exactly right. The Bible, Christianity, is not about good people doing good things for God, but it's about humanity stuck in their sin, rebelling against God, unable to save themselves, and needing Jesus. And so the guy said, wow. Someone should really teach that. So the pastor said, yeah, I'm trying to do that. Alright, so Paul tells Titus, here at City Light Church, we are so convinced that God doesn't save us according to our good deeds, but he saves us according to his grace and his mercy. And the Bible is clear over and over again. The heroes of our faith are often riddled with sin and mistakes because it's all about Jesus being perfect, not about us, not about any person. And so Paul says, listen, you are saved according to the mercy of God, according to what God has done, not according to anything that you could do or you ever could do. It's something that uh, one guy told me one time, but it's like, just because you, know, you come to church, just because you read the Bible, just because you pray, that doesn't make you a Christian. Right? He said, it's just like, just because you stick your head in the oven, right, the oven, it doesn't make you a biscuit. Right? of God, what Jesus has done, not because of what we've done. And what Paul is showing us here, I want us to pay attention to, is that there's two ways that we can miss the gospel. There's two ways that we cannot trust in Jesus. Right, the first way before is what we saw, that because we don't want Jesus as Lord, we just live our lives the way that we want to, and it's, and it's evil, and it's greedy, and it's sexual morality. That's one way. But the second way we can miss Jesus, you guys, is because we just think we can be a really, really, really good person, and we don't need him dying on the cross. We don't need him standing in our place. We don't need him to save us. The 
remember growing up, I grew up in a very religious home. And I thought that if I did all these things, if I went to, you know, the Bible study, if I read my Bible, if I watched these movies, but not these movies, that God was going to look at that and say, wow, I'm impressed. And what the Bible says is that God is not impressed with any of that because He's just not. And I get and I get stuck in this a lot. I need to think that God loves me because of all the stuff that I do for Him, right? Instead of it's clear that Paul says that He saves us not by works of righteousness that we've done, but according to His mercy. That's just who God is. He's merciful. He's gracious. I remember whenever I first met my wife, Allison. She's downstairs with the kids right now. But when I first met her, I wanted to impress her, right? And I think every guy does this problem. You know, I, I began to think that my wife loved me because of how good I looked, that I had the right clothes, I worked out a lot, I was so shy, I thought, that's why she loves me. And so I remember working really hard to make sure that I kept this thing up because I said, then that's why she loves me, right? And I remember sitting down one time and we were having this conversation, conversations you have when you're in love, which most of the time you have no idea what you're talking about, to be honest. And she said, you know what, I love you. And she said, yeah, it's your personality. You know, your character. Because you love Jesus. And I was like, really? Nothing else? Like, nothing else, huh? Because I had believed for so long, I'd worked so long thinking that it was because of all these other things that she loved me, and so I worked hard to maintain those things, but it wasn't at all the reason why she loved me. And what I'm saying is that we can do the same thing to God, you guys. We can believe that because we do all these things, that's why He loves us, but that's not it at all. It says that He loves us because He's merciful and because He's gracious. That the gospel of Jesus Christ is rooted in God's work, not in your effort. Alright, let's continue. It says that He saved us, right, according to His mercy, not by works that we've done. And it says that He did that through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. 
don't know if you guys have ever heard of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is a very important person in the Bible. It is amazing because in salvation we see God the Father sending a Son, the Son dying for us, and the Holy Spirit coming and giving us new life. And so Paul says here, it says, the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Whenever Paul uses this word regeneration, it's a very, very specific word. And it means new birth. It also means a spiritual renovation. And so I thought about, you know, in, the, in, America, in America right now, these shows are really popular where people will come in and they'll gut your house and they'll flip it and make it completely brand new. Do you guys have that here in Taiwan? I don't have these kind of shows. Okay. Well, the point is, you know, people will sign up and they're begging people to come to their house because it's kind of a mess. And the people come in, they'll gut it, they'll make it completely new. It's a completely different house. And what Paul is saying is that in salvation, this is what the Holy Spirit does for you and for me. He comes to this broken heart, this broken body, and he comes and he makes it new. And I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter what your life looks like. It can look as busted up as this. Jesus still comes and he makes it new. So Paul says he comes, the Holy Spirit comes, and he gives you a new life and a new heart. And I know some of you this morning, I know some of us are actually trying to make our lives new in our own strength. You know, we've done stuff in the past, and so we're saying, i got to do more stuff and better stuff because I want a different life. And I'm pleading with you this morning that that can only happen through the grace of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. That here in our community, we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe that the Holy Spirit comes and does what Paul does. He gives us a new heart and a new life. But the Holy Spirit also empowers every disciple of Jesus to do the works of Jesus, to be witness of the resurrection of Jesus. And so Paul says, listen, in salvation, the Holy Spirit comes through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. And in verse 6, it says that he poured out his spirit on us abundantly. And I want to just stop just for a second. And I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. 
Because I think when we talk about the Holy Spirit, sometimes we're, we can be confused about who is the Holy Spirit and what does He do. Um, this, I don't know if you remember the very first time the Holy Spirit's mentioned in the Bible. It's in the very first couple of verses of Scripture. It's this amazing story where God is creating everything we see out of nothing. And it says that the Spirit of God was hovering over this nothingness and this this nothingness was was empty and void. And those words, empty and void, in the Bible, they're pictures of chaos and emptiness. And so what God does through His Spirit, what the Holy Spirit does from that time all throughout history until right now, He brings order where there's chaos and He brings fullness where there's emptiness. And so I'm just I'm telling us I'm pleading with us this morning that if we feel like our lives are just chaotic right now, or if you feel like your life is just completely empty because you've been trying to fill it with all this other stuff, the part of the gospel declares that the Holy Spirit comes and brings order. Where there's chaos, and he brings fullness where there's emptiness. This is, this is something that we want to see not just for our own personal lives, we want to see it in our church, in our community, in Lincoln. We want to see the Holy Spirit come and bring order where there's chaos and fullness where there's emptiness. And Paul says that he poured out his spirit on us. Those who believe in Jesus said that he poured out his spirit on us abundantly. And I think we can read that and we're like, oh, that's cool. You know, God's spirit's been poured out on those who believe in Jesus abundantly. That's great. But, but this word poured, I want you guys to look at it in verse 6. This word poured is very specific. And as I looked at it, I was like, wow, this is amazing what God is saying here. What, what this word means is in the Old Testament, almost every time this word was used, it was referring to God's judgment. God is the God of justice. And so as humanity was stuck in rebellion and you know, killing each other and sacrificing children, God comes and he pours out his judgment. And yet, because of the gospel, what Paul is saying, that before this word meant God's wrath, because of Jesus receiving the wrath of God on Himself, this word now means that God's Spirit is poured out into our lives abundantly. And 
He's unbelievable because we all deserve God's judgment. And instead of that, because of Jesus, we have faith in Jesus. He pours out His Spirit into our lives abundantly. And so Paul, Paul closes this, this kind of section. He says, so that in verse 7, having been justified by His grace, we need to become heirs with the hope of eternal life. Justification by grace. This is a really important thing in the gospel. We don't have time to unpack it all this morning. But I want to just say this is what justification means, okay? That you and I imagine we have these bank accounts. This might be like your own personal bank account, I don't know. But you were empty. Right? I remember when I was uh, in college or I was in high school, my bank account was empty. It was below empty. Alright, that's what we are. And with righteousness. And when we believe in Jesus, what God does, He takes Jesus, the perfect Son of God, His right standing, He takes that and He puts it into your and my account. And so even though you and I are imperfect, even though we have sin, when God looks at us and we're in Jesus, He sees the righteousness of Jesus. And it says here, Paul says that this justification gives us hope of eternal life. I know that there are probably people in this room this morning who are so afraid of the future. Maybe you're afraid of death. And so we, maybe you live your life trying to make everything as safe as possible, as comfortable as possible, because you're afraid of the future of what might happen. In fact, there's a statistic, there's a, there's a survey that went out in America, and they said that the number one fear for people most people, most people said, a lot of people said Donald Trump, but that's not number one. The number one fear is the fear of the future of death. It's not public speaking. It's not flying overseas. And the number one fear is the fear of the future and the fear of death. Because Jesus has already crossed through death for us and he's risen again, that in the gospel we do not have to fear death. We don't have to fear the future. 
Because Jesus has given us this hope in the gospel. Alright? Okay, I want to close here just really quickly. But Paul says in verse 8, this is where we're going. He says, these things are trustworthy, so I want you to insist on those things so that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. Now, for us as a church and as a community, we want to be known in this community as a, as a people who serve, who bless, who do good things for the people that live around us. And what Paul says that if you and I want to be a person like that, if you want to be a person that people look at your life and say, why do you live that way? Paul says in verse 8, we have to insist on what he just talked about, which is the goodness of the gospel, which is the glory and the greatness of Jesus and his love. We have to insist on these things, and that moves us to do good works. I had a really good friend. I have a really good friend. His name is Adam. And when I met Adam, this is how he introduced himself to me. He said, hey, my name is Adam. I'm an atheist. And you will never hear me say the word God. So I said, okay, then, well, I need to call him. And I'm a pastor. And I talk about God a lot. Nice to meet you. And over the course of about a year and a half, um, Adam you know, heard the gospel, came to church, he put his faith in Jesus. His wife became a believer in Jesus. And I remember there was this one moment where him and I were sitting down and he was talking about how God's grace is so big that he could save someone like him. Right, he said, how can God love me? I was so angry towards God. I said these hateful things towards God. I lived my life the way that I wanted to. And as tears were coming down his face, he said, Colin, what can I do to repay him for what he's done? And I said, Adam, that's what grace is all about. But this is what he would want you to do. He wants you to live your life in such a way that people look at you and they say, why? And then you can tell them about what God has done in your life. And that's what Paul is saying here. That you and I live our lives in a way that demand a gospel response. That people say, why do you love the way that you love? Why do you give the way that you give? Man, it's because of Jesus.
And so here at City Life Church, what we've been talking about a lot is how we can be intentional in the community that God has placed us. We talk about Lincoln's 90,000 have 90,000 people who've never believed in Jesus. Some of them have never heard of Jesus. We have uh, three to four hundred bilingual students at a university right in our backyard that we can right now get involved in talking about the love of Jesus and serve them. What Paul tells us this morning is that the gospel moves us to be intentional with our lives to serve people around us. And so if you're a believer in Jesus, I want to invite you. Even if you're not, I want to invite you. To be a part of what's happening here. We want to see God's kingdom come in Lincoln. We want to see these 90,000 people reach for the name of Jesus. And God wants to use the way that He's created you. Steve, this past week, we had uh, Rich was telling me how he went and got his hair cut. He's talking to the barber about the gospel. Just a normal, everyday thing, right? Uh, we, have, we have guys that go to the basketball courts every Tuesday night. You were invited to come with us. Right. We want to see people come to know Jesus. Maybe you're someone who works out or you like to do art. And I would encourage you to use that intentionally for the gospel. And so this morning, I want us to have a moment to respond to what God is saying to us. So would you, would you stand this morning as we respond? And I want to be clear about what Paul is saying to us. He's saying that we're not saved by our works. But the gospel, because it changes our lives, it moves us to live our lives for the sake of Jesus. And so I want to give us an opportunity to respond to God's word. And we believe that the Holy Spirit speaks through God's word. So there's going to be a couple ways that you can respond. Right, so Jason's just going to play a hymn that you guys might know and you can sing along with it or just meditate in your seat.